Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. Today it's SDR Conversations. We are your hosts, Jesper Rivers and Eric Mutter, and we are talking about buying hotels because we are might be buying one what's up eric what's up dude i mean we might be buying our second hotel here which is i mean we were just saying this before we started recording how crazy of a statement that sounds you know like we're, we're buying a hotel you know what's funny man like i've been talking to quite a bit of people obviously for legends x these ho- the hectic hosts that want to grow, but also like Legends Mastermind is growing. We have a couple of new members, companies in that mastermind. And the bigger the companies get in the short-term rental space, it just naturally feels... And, and the more that the industry is changing and laws are changing for short-term rental space, more and more people are buying and getting into boutique hotels. And I know this is nothing new, you know, it's kind of new for us because we're now just making that decision to go in there. But as we're mapping out free wild and we're trying to ask ourselves, like, what's the best way to scale this business without having to leverage other people's properties, like not focusing on rental arbitrage or management. It comes down to buying properties that you can legally run as short-term rentals forever. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the towns that we're looking into, we have these really awesome opportunities of old mom and pop boutique hotel operators that want to get out. But yeah, I mean, so we're going to talk about that, right? We'll we'll break down this boutique hotel that we're looking at and why it's attractive to us. But the whole thing, we'll get into those numbers. But yeah, I, I just think like this is the next natural phase of like, once you figure out how to scale a short-term rental business and you learn how to raise money, buying these types of deals are, only makes sense because we can run these as short-term rentals, but we have the equity of a hotel, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since there's so many regulations now in these in all these markets, right? It's not so easy anymore to just buy a bunch of properties and put them on, put them on Airbnb. But right. like, you know, in our markets, you know, I always think like you got to look at the regulations now, but also think like how, how might these change right. in the future? You know, because like you buy something and then three years from now, they there's a new law that, you, you know, you have a big challenge. So it makes sense or, right, to, yeah. to do it this way. Or a lack of 
laws, right? Like what we learned down in Mexico with the legends, you know, having one legend who kind of owns a huge majority of his market in shorts and rentals, but there's no actual laws in place for shorts and rentals in single family homes. And he's having a challenge selling his portfolio to a REIT who would come in there and acquire, you know, it's like a hundred million dollar portfolio, right? But he's having a challenge selling it because there's actually no laws in place and the REITs who can actually acquire something that big are a little concerned about investing into that model because there's actually no laws. So if something comes into place, they could be out of business, right? So anyway, all of these things are kind of leading us towards buying these opportunities, you know, we're, and what Freewild is kind of shaping into is a company of, you know, acquiring cabins, acquiring boutique hotels, and then eventually acquiring single family homes in short-term rental regulated areas where we have the legal rights to run it. So, but yeah, man, let's talk about this new hotel. We are, you know, for the listeners kind of holding back some information because we're still in negotiations right now. The situation is really interesting with the sellers. We'll talk about like how we found it and a little bit of the situation, but we're going to hold back the name of the hotel, the location of the hotel, but it's in, it's in these markets that we really like, right? So we'll talk about that, but let's get into it, man. Like what's your overall thoughts on this hotel and what came up for you as you were running through the numbers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been looking at a number, a number of hotel, right? In the, in the, especially in the last few months. It seems like there's more of a buyer's market now, or at least it's not so much of a seller's market anymore. Last year, when we bought this property in Idlewild, it came up and it was like, all right, you got two days <laughs> to put in an offer and, uh, you know, otherwise somebody else will, will just buy it right off. You know, it's yeah. like, it, it was, it was crazy. Right. And the last few months also in our legends mastermind, like people have been bringing up these deals and they stay on the market for a while or they go on their contract and then it falls, you know, the, it doesn't go through. That's I think the first the first realization that that I'm having in the last few months is like, okay, we no longer have to like rush into these. Right. We actually have some time to look at these deals. And number two, I don't know. This one, I'm just really excited about it. Why are you excited about this one compared to the 28 unit hotel we were looking at? Yeah, we were looking at this other this other hotel. What I like about this one is it's very easy for me to understand what the revenue is going to be like because the units are they're very similar like there's some studios there's some one bedrooms but the feel they're essentially almost the same like i don't think those those one bedrooms are that much different from from the studios i think they're going to be you know they might do a little bit more on you know in terms of revenue but it's all around the same ballpark it's very easy to estimate like how much they'll be doing i feel like it's a it's also because the units are very similar it's it's going to be pretty easy to run, to run these things for us as well. Plus, I think it's the perfect size for us. Mm. Nine units. Yeah, nine units. Yeah. So to kind of give everyone some background, we were looking at a twenty-eight unit hotel that was on five different lots, right? So it was an old lodge, and then they expanded and bought up all the surrounding properties. So it was a mix of like a traditional lodge hotel with two or three additional lots that were full of like cabins and yeah, kind of cabins and single family, A-frame, stuff like that. But it was a mix of like a hotel room to a studio, to a one bedroom, to a two bedroom, to a four bedroom. And they were kind of all over the place, right? Some were updated, some were not updated. 
the seller what is not in an urgent position to sell. So yeah, like that one, we were like, okay, this is a challenge to kind of put together. It's also going to be a challenge to kind of run as a whole. And the price was much, much higher too, double the price essentially. Mm -hmm. So why do you say nine? So this is nine units that we're looking at. Why do you say nine units is a perfect amount for us right now? Because it's more units than the than we currently have, right? We currently have like the four cabins. So I feel like going up, buying the next one and having like nine units on top of that is a nice, it's nice because it's more, right? So we're, we're scaling up, but it's not crazy. Like, I don't know. I mm. feel like with, with the one that's like 26 and then there's different types of units. I feel, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm not sure what I'm getting into. And it, I feel like it's right. such a big jump from what we're currently doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let, let's break it down. Let, let's go through kind of like what we're learning from, from this right now. Let me kind of talk about how we came across it first off. Yeah. Right. So we were looking at the other hotel that had 28 units and a mix of lodges to a frames to cabins. And we're looking at that one and we see a big vision of kind of merging the bigger hotel with our current development of the f- the four units plus the additional 10 to 15 other units that we're, we're trying to get approved to develop on and being able to have a pretty large amount of units over the next few years in that, that one area. As we're negotiating and we're trying to figure out how much we can pay on this other one, I've been building relationships. And this is something that we teach in Legends X, the property abundance plan. It's the last, it's the last training that we bring our students through. I've been implementing the property abundance plan, really connecting with agents in this huge region of multiple different towns from Palm Springs to Big Bear, right? And everything in between. So I met, was able to meet an agent who sold a hotel in one of those areas about eight months, eight months ago. And I would just reach out with an email. Hey, what's going on? This is what we're doing. This is the vision of Free Wild. We're looking for these types of properties. If you have anything come up, let us know, blah, blah, blah. So I I was consistently reaching out to him. Long story short, the owners of this property, they need to sell. They're in a situation where they have to sell. They somehow connected with this agent. This agent has not yet listed this property on the market, but he knew that we were active buyers and he knew that we're building this brand in this region. So he brought it to us first before they brought it to the market. So we were one of two investors that are currently looking at this property. Now we just submitted an offer and we can go through those numbers, how we came up with it. But we are now in negotiations of acquiring this property and could be owning this in the next 30, 45 days, right? So the consistency of reaching out and building those relationships of just slowly saying, this is what we're doing. This is the vision. This is where we're at. We're current property. We're you know running numbers on this unit in this town, blah, blah, blah. Through those relationships, he was able to bring this to us. That's off, you know, it's an off market deal. Right. Mm -hmm. I bring that up because we get a lot of questions from people of like, how do you scale? How do you scale? What's the secret sauce, the whole thing. And I'm like, consistency, man, just like build those relationships and you will find these properties. So, and we did recognize that I did what going back to what you just said, that the market has finally changed. It, It definitely has. It has gone from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Right where 
the sellers had, they can kind of dictate where they were going, what offer they would take. When we bought Strawberry Creek Village, there was like eight other offers there. We had to be, you know, we were cash. We were closing 100% as is. We were moving fast, the whole thing. And we outbid most of the people that were there. There was one or two offers that were higher, but they they had financing. So, So now we definitely noticed it that the market has shifted to where we now have more buying power or more buying negotiation because rates have shifted. And if you have the ability to buy cash and not have to deal with banks and mortgages, you can negotiate some good deals. So that's where we're at now. Took us probably two days to run the numbers, do some background on this property. But dude, I'll tell you what, man, I'm freaking excited about it. I'm looking at the property now, all the rooms, I did the research. We can go into the numbers, but I, I really do think that we can adding this to free wild portfolio after the design, we can increase this quite a bit. And I think we can plug into our existing systems of management and it's not going to cost us too much more to run it. So yeah. uh, I'm excited about it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited about it too. Like the most of the deals that we looked at, I've always had kind of my reservations about them. This is the first this is the first one that I'm looking at where I'm like okay I'm I feel 100% confident about this yeah. thing. So yep. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited man. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit about the process. I was just on a call with our Rising Star members which are yep. all our Legends X graduates. They go into our Rising Star mastermind and I share with them like hey, you know, we always share wins, you know, on every on every single call. So I shared like hey, we're we put in an offer from on the hotel and you know, I, I could tell that the group was kind of like, well, how does that work? Like, how, how how do you buy a hotel or what's the process like? So why did you uh, walk us through that? Yeah, man. I mean, it's pretty freaking straightforward. It's pretty simple. It's like it, you're essentially the, the thing is we're not once you get to bigger properties and you have staff like the challenge about the 28 unit hotel that we're looking at that requires staff to be there, right? We need maintenance. We need a general manager that we were even considering carving out one unit to have a general manager live on site, the whole thing. This is nine units, right? And we'll talk about the value add here. But one thing that I'm always looking for when we're looking at these properties is like, how do we, just like Strawberry Creek Village, how do we plug in something that has cash flow now, but then has the ability to expand? right? Additional units, right? So what I like about this one is that one, it's only nine units. So it's big enough to generate some decent cash flow on this. And it's running some decent cash flow now. Two is it has an office that is not needed. We don't need a front desk person at this property, which is great. So we can convert that office to an additional unit. So we're adding right away an additional unit to the property, that's 10 units. Then there's a garage and additional land that we can add additional units to, right? How many at the end of the day, we're not sure, but it has room, I would say anywhere between two and four additional tiny homes Mm -hmm. that we can add. So looking at that, I'm like, okay, this is a great property. We can buy it now. It's cash flowing. We renovate it, rebrand it, take it to the next level. We can increase the property rates and we'll talk about that. But then we could also add additional income units to the property. So right away, I'm like, this is awesome. But the process, to go back to your question, the process is simple because 
on the 28 unit property, we were looking at how to acquire five different lots with 28 units on it. We had to have essentially two staff members on that property, pretty much full-time, one part-time. So there's a lot of moving parts to that, right? This hotel that we're looking at, this boutique hotel, it's nine units. We don't need, we can plug it into our staff members that we have and access to management companies in that area, right? And it's 100% remote, right? We can run this 100% remote. Mm -hmm. So that right away, I realized I'm like, okay, this is going to be easier for us to acquire this property. The first step was coming up with the offer. We, we should go through those numbers of how we did that. Once we came up with the offer, I had to then script how we're going to create value for the owners that are going through a situation that have to sell this thing. Right. So what I realized is like they want them not only is money important to them, but an easy process of selling this thing was easy. And I said, hey, this is a cash offer. We introduced it to our investor. He's like, yep, I'm in, I'm down for it. This is where we can be. So we, we first secured the thumbs up on the cash, right? To buy this thing. Then when we go to make the offer, I made the cash offer. But what I said is the only thing we're looking for is a inspection to the property. That's not contingent to an appraisal. We're not going to nitpick. We're only looking for major concerns, wiring issues, plumbing issues, foundation issues. Everything else, we're going to take it 100% as is, right? Once we get through the inspection period, we'll close within one to two weeks, right? So I, my goal is to make it as easy as possible for them, for us to take over the keys and take over right away and give them the max amount of profit from it. So once we go through that process, man, like it's just like Strawberry Creek Village. Once we close on it, we're taking over the business, we're taking over the property. And right away, we're going into operating this thing from day one. And they already have bookings out for another six months or so, right? Yep. Yeah. So the very first step for us is securing the numbers uh, coming up with our offer price. And then three was you went and spoke to the investor. I went and spoke to the sellers. And as you're securing the thumbs up on the cash, I'm securing, I'm negotiating where we can be at the purchase price. Now we're going to find out in the next few days if we have a deal, but man, I feel really freaking good that we can come to an agreement on this one and, and take this over in the next yeah. 30 to 45 days. So, and then just to add to that, you know, we, we basically set a price, right? to the seller, we, we had to we submit a proof of funds, right? So we had to, yep. to show them like, Hey, we actually, we, we actually have the cash to, you know, to be able to actually go ahead and buy this. So now we're waiting on them to come back on our offer. Correct. That's right. Yeah. So we came, you and I came up with three different prices, the absolute ideal, perfect world purchase price, the absolute max on where we can go with this. So of course we submitted right above our ideal purchase price because our ideal purchase price was pretty, pretty low, right? So we went <laughs> slightly above that with the anticipation that they're going to counter and we'll kind of come to the middle. Now, one thing to keep in mind too, especially on, on these types of deals, you're, we're acquiring the hotel business, but then we're also acquiring the real estate, right? So once we go into... And once we go into due diligence on this, any major red flags that come up, we can always go back and figure and renegotiate if we need to. I don't expect that to happen because we kind of took it all into consideration. 
but yeah, right now, you know, once we submitted their proof of fund or our proof of funds, we're kind of just in the, the waiting period of them giving us a thumbs up or a counter on the offer. I'm expecting them to give a counter, but honestly, they're kind of in a position where they have to sell. So I'm hoping that comes to you in agreement pretty quick. On yeah. this. And then let's say, you know, let's just say in an ideal world, they'll accept the offer. I get it. Yeah. Probably going to counter, but let's say they accept the offer, right? We we then go into a due diligence process where we we have a certain amount of time to do some research on the project, make sure that there's no, you know, what you call it, like skeletons in the closet. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, how long does that? I forgot. Like I know we went through the process or Strawberry Creek, but how, how long does that typically typically take? Yeah, I mean, so we put a 30-day inspection period in place, but you know, for me, I want to kind of move as fast as possible on this, right? Because we are, yeah, I just want to take it over. If we buy this in a week or we buy this in six weeks, you know, doesn't really impact us. We have the ability to take it over as fast as possible. The biggest challenge that we have, and this should everyone should keep this in mind, is like. Just the real estate industry and construction industry as a whole is is a you know it's a freaking mess you know the amount of projects and how delayed people are the whole thing, so finding a inspector that has the ability to inspect a hotel in that area in a timely matter and get us back an actual report, and then us carving out the time to truly understand the report. Right. Make sure that there's no major issues because the inspectors are going to pull together like, oh, this light switch is broken and like this thing is yeah. loose, blah, blah, blah. I really don't care about I want to know about that stuff. I don't really care about it. I want to know, is the foundation good? Is the roof good? Windows do all the windows need to be replaced. Is there any knob and tube wiring in this property? Right. Because it was built in the 40s or 50s. So it's pretty old. Right. So is there any wiring in there that needs to be ripped out? And if that's the case, are we looking at a $20,000, you know, repair list that we weren't really anticipating or is that going to be much higher, right? So our goal is to within 30 days get the inspection, do all the due diligence, go to the county and find out can we actually build on this? Is this even a legal hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Is this even yeah. a legal operating hotel? Right. Cause this isn't on the market. We're not 100% sure of all the information. So we have to go through that process to truly get it. I feel good about all that stuff, but that's part of the due diligence process. Hopefully we'll be owning this the next 30 to 45 days. That's the goal. It's pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, you can go faster if we want. <laughs> I'm sure I've purchased properties before in seven days right? Yeah. In Jersey. It's just like, but this is a bigger deal. So yeah. And you know, the project behind this, you know, we're going to, it's an operating business now. It's in a great freaking location, like amazing location. They're running at a 90% occupancy currently, which is incredible. I did find out, I knew one of the old managers of this property. I reached out to that company and I spoke to them. They're like, Hey, this property has, has been rocking and rolling for years. They've done some upgrades. Their audience, audience, their guests are a bit older, right? So an older community that goes there. So the property has been updated. It's not really modernized. It's not marketed to, you know, on Airbnb and all of that correctly. So they're like, Hey, it's perfect now, but there's a lot of room for growth within mm -hmm. there. Right. Yeah. So once our goal is once we acquire this, 
rebranding this same thing with strawberry creek village rebranding this fixing up the rooms bringing the the decor the marketing the check-in process the whole thing to the next level and then start targeting the guest avatar that meets the free wild brand right and then through that we're also getting approvals working on getting the approvals to add to add additional units to the property yeah yeah i remember when we took over strawberry creek the inspection report that was a long that was such a long list of things yeah. like, i remember going through that thinking like holy holy crap there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. stuff that you know we have to worry about that was because i've never seen that before like, i've never bought uh, okay like yeah this, you know yeah it's pretty standard man so like when they go through when you bring a property inspector out what they're trying to do is just shine a light on all the things that need repair that are dangerous to the property that could have been installed or built incorrectly to the local building code. So all the things. So you're, the goal is to, for you to kind of walk into the property fully aware of what's happening with the property, right? So when, when I got that inspection report on Strawberry Creek, I knew like we took all the small items like I don't know, exposed wiring underneath the, you know, floorboards in this property. And, you know, the, the gutter system on this side is loose or, you know, the light switch here is broken. All that stuff. It's good to know because it saves us time to go through and recognize all that stuff. But what we do there, we immediately add that into our renovation list, right? And we add that to the list. So when we hire our contractors, it's already added to a list of like, Hey, fix this stuff. Just this is all the maintenance stuff we want you to take care of. And then we focus on what are the big emergency items, right? Because we could buy this property. And if we don't inspect it correctly, the foundation could be screwed up. You know, like I was looking at one property, one of the units here, and it was, you know, looking at the foundation, I'm like, man, that thing that looks like it needs to be repaired. That it looks like it needs to be replaced. So if we don't recognize this ahead of time, our budget, and we should go into numbers here in a second too and explain mm -hmm. how we came up with our offer. Sure. Our budget to redesign and renovate this thing could, you know, we could add 50, 100, 200,000 to it. And then our cap rates and our income, ROI just completely drops on the property. Yeah. So we just need to know that stuff ahead of time. But, you know, from the construction world, I know you're not in the construction world. My knowledge of the construction world, I love that stuff because it's just, it's like a glimpse under, you know, your hood of your car. You know what's happening, you know what to fix, and you decide what to fix first, right? But let's go into the numbers, man. Let's talk to, let's kind of walk people through our method of doing this. For the people that are listening that are buying boutique hotels and you have experience doing this, feel free to, you know, shoot us an email. Let us know your thoughts on how we're approaching the numbers. If there's something we're missing, something that you're learning, something that you do differently, we'd love to hear that from you. But yeah. let's break it down, man. How can you, uh, once you share with them how you came up with the numbers and your thought process behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, the first thing we want to look at is the revenue, right? Not just like the revenue that they've been generating, but also the revenue that we think we could be regenerating, right? So we're obviously we're looking at the PL, and they were doing a pretty reasonable job, I would say, with you know running this thing because they were at ninety percent occupancy. The ADR is a little on the low end, right? So I think there's room to to grow there. But essentially, we looked at their PL, but also we looked at AirDNA, really researching the market to see like what could these units potentially do. And again, this was fairly easy for us because the units are they're fairly similar. And we also have a unit that's 
comparable, right? It's not completely right. the same, but it's, you know, it's, it is comparable. So, so yeah, so we made a revenue estimate. Next thing to look into is expenses, right? What, what is it going to cost us to run these, to run these properties? Now we've been, we've been kind of analyzing a lot of deals and expenses always end up somewhere around like the 40 to 50% range. Right. But still, yeah. like, you know, we, I went through, I went through the whole list of expenses that they supplied and not all expenses, you know, not all the expenses that they have, we would have. Right. Cause for example, they were spending a lot of money on, on marketing, for example, and there were some, I don't know, there was a lot of charges in there that I, I don't think we, you know, we necessarily have to go for those expenses, but it's the standard stuff of like property taxes, insurance, gas, electric, the whole list came over the expenses. And then basically we looked at different scenarios, right? We looked at like, what, what's our, what's our cap rate going to be if we are 70% occupied, 80%, 90% at different ADRs, right? If we increase the ADR by 10%, 20%, 30%, what does our cap rate look like? And then we looked at different investments, right? So if we invest X, what's our cap rate with all the ADRs and the occupancy percentages? So it's really like a scenario and analysis to to kind of understand like, okay, what's, you know, how much, how much can we increase the revenue? How is that going to relate to the to the cap rate based on different amounts that we invest? And yeah. based on that, so we, we get an idea of like if this is a if the numbers work for us or not. Right. So yeah, so let's break that down a little bit. So you were talking about expense ratios, right? So this is something this is something that you know, we ha we have a couple of friends that invest at a high level. They have a handful of different funds and they're buying up RV parks and short-term rental communities around the country, right? And right away there's a couple of things when you're in this industry and you're trying to buy these types of assets there, these assets are wanted by, you know, they're, they're popular assets. So you have a lot of demand. So you have to be able to have some type of ratio formula to be able to run the numbers and say, okay, within this ratio expense ratio, our numbers still work. Right. So what we found is most people, and we talked to a lot of people from the legends to investor, friend of ours and consultants, the whole thing. What we find is on average, like regular commercial real estate, it's like you're running it at a 50% expense ratio, right? So your total top line revenue minus 50%, then minus your debt ratio, right? Your debt servicing, right? And that usually brings you to your net income. What we found in hospitality. So when we were looking at that 28 unit, our ratio, our expense ratio was higher, right? So this one we're running at 50% expense ratio. The 28 unit, we're running at a 60% because of the amount of labor that we had to bring into that specific property, right? So this is why I like, I agree with you. This is why I like this nine unit because we're able to run it as short-term rentals. And I say this all the time, man, like the biggest opportunity in our industry right now is acquiring old vacation rental communities and converting them to modern short-term rental experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't need a front office. We don't need a general manager for a nine unit. We can automate this entire experience, leverage our systems, leverage our contacts in that area. So now our expenses are going down compared to what they have, right? They had a staff of two people running this one, right? 
So we can run the numbers at a 50% expense ratio. And then our goal is just to continue to try to get that down a bit further. Right. So yeah. just wanted to kind of break that down a bit for everybody. So yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. we're even I think we're even gonna go a bit lower than 50, to tell you the truth. I think it's probably gonna be more like 40 to 45 that we're gonna be up with. Which is yeah, good. And also, you know, one thing to recognize too when we're looking at these things is Let's say that let's say current revenue is five hundred thousand and current expenses two fifty. Just to make it simple, right? If we can add twenty percent more revenue, right, and bring it from five to six hundred, right, that's not going to raise our expenses necessarily, right? Right. So if we can keep the expenses at the same level, but we're adding an extra hundred thousand in revenue, which is just twenty percent, it's not crazy when you modernize it and you improve the experience, right? Now we're looking at instead of 250 profit, we're looking at 350 profit, right? Which is 40% increase, right? So by increasing mm. revenue 20%, we're increasing profit with 40%. If we can keep those expenses at the same level, obviously, if we're if we're going to be investing in like hot tubs and things like that, expenses will go up, right? But if we're just improving the Airbnb listings, we're improving our guest communication, we're improving the the experience, right? That's not going to cost us any. That's not going to raise the cost, right? So that's right. That's that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, that's it, man. That's an awesome way of looking at that, right? And I, I like the way that you broke out the performa here as well. It's like regarding revenue, we're looking at can we increase ADR and revenue by ten percent, twenty percent, or thirty percent, right? But then it's also you built out a formula. Can we increase? occupancy, if we're hitting occupancy at 70%, 80%, and 90% based on those increases as well. I thought that was a really good way of looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. This property currently is running roughly around 90% occupancy, but their rates are actually lower than where they need to go. So I don't know if we can increase you know, occupancy to 100%, right? Or 95%. Our goal would be to, how do we keep occupancy between 80 and 90 Right. But exactly. increasing our ADR and, yeah. you know, looking at what they currently, what they currently have, even just going in and just taking the baseline where it's at now. I mean, I feel freaking confident, man, like looking at our numbers that we can increase ADR by 30%, increase, you know, revenue by 30%, mm -hmm. which is unbelievable. If yeah. we can keep, and then if we can keep it at 90%, I mean, the returns are absolutely 90% occupancy. The returns are pretty incredible. Yeah. If we, if we are able to do that at the price that we have put the offer on, you know, our cap rate would, would go to 15% plus, you know, and that's right. Which is, would, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's great. Especially for Southern California. Yeah. Right. Like you can't, cap rates here in California are laughable. Right. But this is, this is what I'm talking about, man. Like, and I know, I know people are tapping into this and they have been for a while, but now that we're in this, I'm seeing that the biggest opportunity for real estate investors and operators are finding these types of assets in markets that you can maintain those higher occupancies of 70 to 90%. Seasonal markets, I'm not sold on, right? Like the Jersey Shore where, you know, I started my vacation rental business or, you know, journey. You only have three, four months a year to really run that at a high level, right? Here, we have the opportunity to run 70 to 90% all year round, 
right? Which is incredible. Yeah. So the income on that property is unreal. Plus we get to tie it into our existing project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's actually interesting. Like the winter, the winters are very popular in, in our market, right? Like people yeah. are really excited about the, you know, there might be some snow. It's right. funny. I remember, remember the first time we had some snow, like all these people were reaching out in the Airbnb, like, is there snow? Like we want to see snow. I've never seen snow. And I was like, wait, you've never yeah, seen dude. snow? But yeah, that's yeah, California, yeah, right? <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. I meet people here in San Diego that have lived here their entire lives and never have been to Idlewild. They might've been to like Big Bear or Mammoth, which is, you know, obviously known for skiing and snowboarding and snow and all that stuff. But being able to drive, you know, two hours from San Diego and be in the mountains with snow during the winter, just like blows people's minds. And we freaking love it. I love it up there during fall because all the trees are turning. You're like, this is unreal. And then wintertime you're, you're in, you know, snow and that whole thing. So there's really only one small season where it slows down. And it's kind of right now when, when it's really hot. Right. But outside of that, I mean, the market is pretty solid. So yeah. Yeah, man. So anything else on the numbers? No, that's it, man. I got to, I got to run soon too. So we got to wrap this up here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep going, man. I, I love this conversation. Well, this is what we'll do. We'll update everybody. We're still not on social media yet. We've kind of been, you know, hermits to with our hand and head in the sand when it comes to social media and kind of sharing anything outside of this podcast. But we are changing that. We're getting to a point where starting in about a couple of weeks, we've hired some team members to help us with this. So we're going to be sharing our updates as we go. Let's touch back in on this deal. If not next week, the following week, kind of give everybody an update on where we're at. I feel really freaking good about this, man. I feel like we're going to buy this thing. The investor's excited. It just, it's in good alignment. So hopefully we'll be adding nine units. And then with the development of Freewild and this one, we can add potentially an additional 13 to 18 units on top of all of this, right? With the additional conversions, which is great. So now then we have a real, you know, real sizable project up there. So, but anyway, man, this has been awesome. Hopefully we have some good news for everybody next week. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we're going to buy this. I'm super excited about it. And I'm also excited that I'll finally be able to actually visit next yeah, month dude. in October. Yeah. Looking at flights. You know, like if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably know I've been applying for a work visa and that's kept me from being able to fly to the US and, and visit. But am I going to get my resolution? It's either I'm going to get approved or not. My Either way, I'm going to be able to travel. So super there excited to come down. Come down and actually stay at some of these units and check out all these hotels that we've been looking at. So so what's the plan? So we're going to Panama for a uh, offsite, which is going to be exciting. But then when we get back, we're connecting here in San Diego. You're going to go see the properies and then we're going to VRMA in That's Vegas, right. right? All right. Yep. Lots of travel, man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm excited for it. I'm super excited uh, to go to Ottawa. I'm excited to go to VMRA. If you're listening to this, and be prepared. We're going to throw some parties. We're going to do some fun <laughs> things out there. So that's right. It's going to be awesome. All right, man. I got to run. It was great talking to you. This is this is super fun. I'm excited. I hope to the listeners. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Have a great weekend. We'll update you in the next couple of weeks. A lot of stuff going on. 
also with Legends X. So we'll update you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on apple podcast for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.